0: Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches. Brought to you by Balanced Habits, the leading coaching, certification, and licensing company offering consumers a foodication and sustainable, healthy nutrition. Well, welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm here with yet another guest on my show. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Sure. I'm uh, Ryan McFadden from Columbus, Ohio. I'm the owner of Ohio Strength CrossFit Italian Village.
0: All right. And Ryan... We got to know your story. Always start out with the sure. story. How'd you come to be where you are today and talking to me on this podcast?
1: Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up, I think, like a lot of people that get into CrossFit. And um, I, uh, I had a lot of experiences with really good and um, sometimes maybe not so great uh, coaches, trainers, health and fitness professionals, and whatnot throughout all those different. Um, sports things and different gym experiences and through my undergraduate experience as well. Um, and then uh, I started to get really interested in the idea of maybe owning a gym all the way back in high school. And I, I wrote really? one of my competitions essays uh, oh. about how I wanted to own a gym someday. So, so I have kind of come full circle on that. There were a few other things in between that I'll, I'll touch on. But um, that was way before I discovered CrossFit. That was just from like my um, sort of strength and conditioning background. And I I enjoyed the aspect of training for sports as much as I enjoyed the sports themselves. So I really liked being in the gym and, uh, and a lot of the, the trainers that I got to know through that too. Um, when I went off to college at Ohio State, I studied exercise science and nutrition. Um, I was a rower at Ohio State as well. So there's a lot of rowing in CrossFit. So that was one of the things that kind of got me into it also. But um, so I did some personal training there, some strength and conditioning coaching and some uh, high school football coaching for a little bit while I was in college. Um I thought about med school, I thought about physical therapy school. I had a, a lot of different interests. Um one of those people I guess I have a hard time kind of narrowing down focus and what I'm really interested in or you know, people always joke about saying what they want to do when they grow up, even when they're like thirty or forty, and I kind of um always felt like that was gonna to be tough for me to figure out. Um I took like a year off of school, went out to Colorado, had a job as a um project manager for a construction company and sort of like some of the business stuff, and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll try out business school and went back, got an MBA. Um, and uh, then I uh, landed a job with Rogue Fitness here in Columbus. So just kind of coincidentally, since they were based here in Columbus, I that was around the time when I was starting to do CrossFit and I dropped an application over to them. Um, a really cool role that I'm sure a lot of people in the CrossFit world would envy and, and love to be you know, a part of uh, Rogue. And um, I got to work directly for the owner and uh, with Bill and Katie and um, it was a really fast-paced company like a still a pretty early startup company at that point um growing really quickly i, I got to set up um, operations over in europe and australia and some of the international distributors and just meet tons of people in the crossfit world um and uh, i get to work with lots of people with different specialties in business and manufacturing it e-commerce and and, and out of crossfit um, so that was a lot of fun and really eye opening um, but at the same time I was spending so much time sitting behind a desk I realized that that wasn't really suiting my temperament or my my uh, desire for my long term career um, and uh, I missed interacting with people a little bit more so um, i I started getting back into training people a little bit and then I kind of had a, a light bulb moment where it went off one day where I was like, all right I've got this bachelor's degree in exercise science I've got this degree in business as well and I'm like really interested in both things um, And, uh, the kind of the only thing that was preventing me from opening a gym at that point was I think fear or fear of failure or fear of the unknown. Um, and, uh, once I got over that and just sort of decided to rip the bandaid off, I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to do this. There's no turning back. Nothing's going to stop me now. And went full steam ahead. And, uh, and I really, I love the variety of like responsibilities that I get now as a small business owner. So not just in CrossFit, but the fact that like, I get to do a lot of different things throughout the day, and um, whether it's marketing or programming or coaching or you know accounting whatever lots of those different things um, and kind of the uh, the accountability of being my own boss, like the responsibility that comes with that the pressure that comes with that, but also sometimes the flexibility that can come with that too so there's definitely you know a lot of uh you know pros and cons to that, but I really like that it seems to suit my my temperament pretty well
0: hmm. whoa, that was crazy story twists and turns i was not expecting so a couple questions ryan um you you said back in high school you even knew you wanted to own a gym well what what has it been about owning a gym that kind of kept you coming back to that idea and enticed you even now um you know years after that initial um maybe or thought about it
1: um it was just some of the people that I got to interact with, some of my mentors, doctors and trainers and coaches. And and some of those people were so impactful on my life when I was young. Um, and I actually had a lot of injuries through, uh, football and and training Uh, back then. I, I I was kind of like go hard or go home, you know, no pain, no gain. And, and, uh, and maybe some of that football culture too, where you're encouraged to be really tough or whatever. And, uh, and, um, through getting a lot of those injuries as well, I, I just learned a lot more about some of the science with training and some of the nuance of training. And I uh, got exposure to a lot of really unique and interesting, um, physicians and physical therapists. And, uh, and I saw, I, I think maybe a need for people that were maybe empathetic to those that have had injuries and that have, uh, had some of those experiences, um, in the training world and, uh. And I really like the idea of being able to bring that unique perspective and um, some of the really cool and unique things that I had learned from all these different, really brilliant people um, to be able to bring that all together and and how I work with uh, clients and and whatnot. And and it's just fun. I just enjoy it. I like talking to people. I like helping people achieve their goals and be healthier and and fitter.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's awesome and that you've had that mentality and kept it in, and even through all those years at Rogue and doing everything at Rogue. And uh, wh- when did you start there? Like, I'm just kind of curious about that, that time frame and kind of, you probably saw CrossFit change a lot while you were at Rogue. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I heard about CrossFit all the way back in like maybe 05, but I didn't really know what it was back then. It was, I think the term CrossFit actually turned me off before I even looked into what it was because I heard CrossFit and I thought like, cross training and I'm just thinking like you know my mom's aerobics class back in the 80s or something with people just doing all kinds of different things and whatever and, and I didn't really even dive into it until maybe uh, 2009, 2010 around the time when I was graduating college and then getting into business school and uh, then found out about Rogue here in Columbus and I started with Rogue as soon as I finished my MBA in 2012. I was with them for about three years um, and yeah it was it was going you know through a lot of the evolution of CrossFit, and, and uh, that was, I think, that maybe 2009 to 2013 or 14 era was when CrossFit gyms were just exploding in number as well all over the world, um, which seems to have maybe have stabilized a little bit now in the last few years, but, uh, but they were just blowing up, which being inside of Rogue, you get to see that directly as CrossFit grows, Rogue grows, so that was uh, a really interesting and exciting place to be during that time.
0: I can't imagine. It was probably like doubling the amount of equipment that you guys had to make like year after year.
1: The madhouse. It was always crazy there, which was exciting and fun.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and like you said, you like doing a lot of different things. So I'm sure that was what it was great about is you were probably constantly having to do and learn new things.
1: Yes, learning a lot on the fly with a, you know, small but rapidly growing company like that.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And then, and you said you were in charge of like Europe and Australia, was it? Those two divisions? Yep, right.
1: Right when I came in, they were trying to get a little more serious in Europe. So uh, worked with um, some contacts they already had on the ground from okay. the CrossFit Games uh, over there in Europe, and uh, and then uh, you know we got the operation set up in Finland, which now has moved into like the Netherlands, I believe, uh, shortly after I left there. And then uh, we were just getting things started in Australia uh, right around the time when I was leaving, and then we were also setting up you know distributors all over the world. So um, got to interact with so many different and interesting uh, gym owners and, and uh, people from all over the place.
0: Hmm. I'm kind of curious, what, Ryan, are maybe some of your biggest takeaways from your time at Rogue? I mean, have there been maybe a few lessons that you've learned that you've then brought into your own business that you've applied?
1: Um. So uh, Bill, the owner of Rogue, is like, I feel like he's kind of like a savant genius, like uh, when it comes to management. I mean, you know, we sort of like he always talked about the rogue way. The rogue way is kind of a unique way of running business, and it's definitely not for everybody, but it works really well the way that he's doing it and for a lot of the people that work there. And uh, we, um, I mean, he, he pushes people very hard to, to, you know, be their best and um, doesn't really um, hold back if, if people are not getting, you know, things done to his expectations. And so, I think just kind of that whole like setting the standard with uh, people that you know you're working with, with employers and whatnot, with employees, um, and that whole concept of like you know whatever you allow in your presence is the standard. So having very very clear expectations, um, and uh, and I liked I liked his blunt way of doing things. I liked how fast he liked to get things done, um, and uh, so I, I kind of bring those same type of expectations to a lot of the people that I work with, uh, which which again doesn't always go super well with some people because they don't necessarily respond as well to those really blunt uh requests or things but um but i I, I just i think it gets stuff done quicker Mm -hmm. i think it gets things done more efficiently and um and i i think uh sort of uh you know the way that rogue tries to uh keep a lot of their talent in-house keep a lot of their projects and stuff in-house um and uh they're very careful about anything they think about like you know outsourcing or whatnot Mm -hmm. Um, kind of the same thing when I run my business now, there's, there's lots of opportunities within CrossFit. There's all these gurus out there that want to teach you how to market and program and do all these different things. And I think, you know, very carefully weighing those options of when it's appropriate to, you know, sort of utilize some of that and when not and when to delegate and when not to and whatnot.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm kind of curious, you say, you know, the bluntness and and some people don't handle it well. I mean, how do you react if someone doesn't react well? Like, is it just like, Hey, this is me, like deal with it. Or is it something like learning to communicate differently?
1: A little bit of both. Um, I mean, it's definitely, I I have a softer touch with my clients than I would with like a vendor or an employer or some or employee or someone like that. Um, for sure, because you know, they're paying me money for a premium service. They, you know, I'm not going to mistreat them by any means. Um, but, uh, but there's, you know, I, I still try to set very clear expectations if people, you know, are not picking up their equipment around the gym, if, if they're, uh, you know, being negligent with their use of the equipment or things like that. Um, I, I, I don't let it slide. I, I will call it out very quickly and clearly, um, try to be as, you know, even keeled with how I communicated as possible. But it's, it's a very direct form of communication just to make sure that they understand it's, you know, it's not okay if they're not doing things uh, the way they should be doing things um, and establishing that culture pretty early on. I think has, uh, helped prevent, um, some things from festering or, or getting worse down the road and any type of like passive aggressive things or other things that might happen as a result of not dealing with things right there up front, um, with employees, uh, that's definitely been like a learning experience too, with just, uh, you know, how to communicate effectively, how to, uh, how to motivate, how to, uh, you know, just, uh, make really strong, rewarding, uh, positions for people and how to, uh help people continue to develop and grow in those positions and make sure that, you know, they're happy and satisfied in those positions while at the same time making sure that they're doing what they need to be doing for the, you know, the betterment of our, our athletes and our business and whatnot.
0: Yeah, no, that, those are... Those are both like p- fantastic pieces of like angles of that. So, and kind of going off of that, Ryan, I know one of the big things I want to talk to you about was just, you know, having been in business and having experience. And when I emailed you out of the podcast, you were like, oh yeah, I've learned a ton of lessons. And I would love to just kind of maybe hear, um, you know, the top three lessons that you've learned over the years of running Ohio Strength. You know, what, what are maybe some of the key things that you've been like, you know, these are quintessential things that I have learned and been taught and that you could, you know, give advice on to other owners out there.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, I think they're definitely kind of higher level, and most philosophical things because like you can read a book, you can go to business school, you can go get a bachelor's degree in exercise science or take some, you know, training certification with CrossFit or with the NSCA or with all these different organizations um, and learn a lot of the tactical, technical, uh, nitty gritty stuff that we really all should know. So I kind of consider a lot of that stuff to be like just the most basic stuff that you should have at ground level to even enter into the space. Um, so sort of skipping over a lot of that, um, for me, one of the biggest things first on was like realizing like every single new idea, task, project, whatever that I come to is going to take much longer than I anticipated in my mind. Um, no matter how much research or prep work or stuff that you do ahead of time, um, nothing is as easy as it seems on the surface. Uh, and, and with this, you know, small business thing, like there's always surprises. So going into all the new projects, new ideas, new tasks with the full expectation that there there are going to be surprises. There are going to be hurdles that you do not foresee, even when you think that you've covered all your bases. Um, it's I joke with people, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the first time you look at Fran on the whiteboard, you're like, oh, 45 pull-ups, 45 thrusters, like a fairly moderate, lightweight, not a really a big deal. Like, okay, I've been in the gym for a long time. I can definitely handle that. No big deal. When you do it and you're like, wow, holy crap, that was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and kind of that idea of like, you know, the easier the workout looks on the whiteboard, probably the more intense and difficult it's actually going to be. And that's kind of the way it is with uh, a lot of the business challenges too. I look at it and I'm like, ah, sounds too good to be true. Looks pretty easy. Probably going to take me way more time and effort (laughs) and energy than I uh, expect it to. Um, so I guess just having that expectation always like, you know, preparing for the worst, hoping for the best, but, you know, knowing that there's going to be some surprises through there and then, um, being ready to roll with the punches as they come, uh, ready to be flexible and to adjust on the fly as needed because there's lots of surprises. Um, and then, uh, just kind of going back. This is sort of like for exercise or fitness motivation for a lot of people too. Um, getting started with any task is always the hardest thing. So just, just showing up, just getting started goes for anything, uh, in the gym goes for anything running a business. I mean, if you have a new idea and you're analyzing and analyzing and analyzing, you're afraid to get started because you're like sort of like paralysis by analysis. You just like, can't get over that hump where you're you're worried that it's not going to look as polished as you want it to, or you're going to be embarrassed. If so-and-so you know, judges you or sees it or this or that or whatever, and you just have to get over those feelings. Like you just have to get started. You have to try it. You'll probably get your hands a little dirty. You'll probably, you know, the experience might be a little bit clunky or painful or embarrassing at first. Um, but you kinda need to go through some of those things to to learn. Uh, and then uh, as, you, uh, as you're as you able to, you know, clean some of those processes up, um, I think that a lot of the lessons that you learn from each individual attempt at those different things will translate into future projects as well, where, um, again, you can foresee more of the challenges, more of the uh, problems. Um, but, but yeah, really just getting started, like getting rid of the fear uh, and just getting started with stuff. Uh, keep your ego out of things. Um, just keep learning, keep getting better. Um, and the third thing uh, is the fact that like you will have failures, you will have stumbles, you will have things that are going to go wrong, um, whether it's in your leadership and your management and your coaching, your marketing, your you know, your programming, balancing work life with the significant other family, friends, whatever. I mean, it's you know, I've, I've had a lot of weeks now in the first three years where I've been working over 100 hours a week because I'm you know trying to grow the business or trying to get new equipment set up or, you know, I'm, I've got new things I'm trying to launch. Uh, you know, when I still had my day job and I was starting the gym at the same time. So there's a, there's a whole lot of uh, balancing that goes on there and um, you've got to be comfortable with the fact that stuff's going to happen when it does happen. You got to learn from it, but you got to pick yourself up and keep going forward. Um, and then, uh, you know, your best clients, your best coaches, your peers, your family, your friends, they're going to understand you and support you through all of that too. So, you know, not worrying that they're not going to be there because they definitely, they will see how hard you're working. They will see how important it is to you and how passionate you are about it. So those people are going to support you. And if, if anybody is not supportive of you in there, whether it's a client, coach, family, friend, whatever, then I think that's a time too, when you assess the quality of your relationships and whether or not those relationships are still serving you personally, serving your business, serving your clients, Um, and if they're not, sometimes you have to let some of those go as well, just because there's, there's no sense in having a lot of negative people in your life. Those negative Mm -hmm. people are bringing your business down, bringing other members down, bringing you personally down or, or sort of sucking the energy or life out of uh, your business or your personal life and what you're trying to do. So, um, being comfortable with failure and surrounding yourself with people that will, you know, support you and and keep you positive, uh, Mm -hmm. through your passion through those struggles is, is huge. Um,
0: Whoa, that was a lot. Did everybody get all that? Because I'm like, whoa. I feel like I need to listen to that again. <laughs> no, but that's awesome, Ryan. And I think you you brought up a good point, just like about the fear. And I know you had said you had overcome fear to open up the gym. Was it just fear? Was it fear of failure and fear of, of risk taking?
1: Um, I mean, I think I've always been someone who's comfortable with like a healthy risk or with like a a, a risk where again you've done some planning and whatnot. Um. I am kind of a thrill seeker in in terms of just like stuff out outside too. Like I you know, skydive, I'll you know do whatever like all that kind of stuff. Um, so I really you know enjoy calculated risks, I guess. But then in the business world, like I grew up in a blue collar family. My parents worked two three jobs. I paid for everything in college. Worked two three jobs. Had to take out student loans, all that kind of stuff. Um, so like financial, you know, fear of failure. Like, where am I going to get this money? How am I going to do this? Uh, what if it doesn't work? I have nothing to fall back on. It wasn't like I had like, you know, family that I could fall back on with money that could just like pick me up out of a hole or something. Um, so you know, that, that part's super scary. Um, I had been personal training, you know, friends and other people kind of on the side while I was still doing my, my day job, but it wasn't like I already had this stable of like 50 clients ready to go. And, and back then, like, I didn't do one of like the the pre-sales or whatever where you get like a hundred people to sign up before you even open your doors. I opened the doors and there were like zero people, and it was like week number one. I was on site for forty-seven class hours on top of being at Rogue for probably fifty hours, and I had one person show up for three fundamentals classes, and I was like super discouraged. And I was like, "Holy crap! I just poured my life savings into this, and no one's coming, and I'm screwed." <laughs> and I freaked out, and then you know, week two, I had three people show up and week three, I had seven people show up and it just grew in from there based on the word of mouth. And, and every day I went home to my fiance and I was like, here's how many people I need to get by tomorrow. Here's how many people I need to get by the end of the week. Here's how many people I need to get by the end of the month. Just to like, you know, I was burning cash on rent and burning cash on, you know, stuff expenses that I had paid up front. Um, and not necessarily seeing the, the revenue coming in yet to like match all of that. And I knew how long I could do that. And, and, you know, that runway kept getting longer and longer as the membership number grew and grew too. So it was like, it was like, okay, things are kind of trending the right direction, going the right way, but that's, you know, scary, scary time. And, and, uh, and that's one of those moments too, where I feel like it sort of, it's kind of like playing a sport or something where, you know, your back is against the wall, you're in a corner it's like, you, you know, you can either lay down and crumble and, and, uh, collapse under the pressure or you, you sort of overcome that adversity and see who you are with a little bit of adversity there too. And, And, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and just figure out ways to, you know, find new people and make things work and make things grow and make sure you're keeping people that are there super happy. And so they're telling everybody else about how great things are. And, um, and, and yeah, so I mean, just, just, you know, fear of of taking such a big leap and and having it not, not pan out, but fortunately it has. So,
0: yeah. And I, I think your story reflects so many other stories of affiliate owners out there. And unfortunately, even now, like, I know some of them might be facing slumps of like membership and they're like, am I going to make it next month? Am I going to survive? And I mean, I can't even imagine opening up the doors and having one person come in for the first week. Like That's mind-blowing, Ryan. Like, oh my goodness, good for you, look at where you are now, but that's terrifying. Are you looking to increase member performance in your box? Balanced Habits offers a nutrition profit center that will leave your competition in the dust. Learn more about the Balanced Habits Food Education programs by visiting partners.balancedhabits.com slash boxpro. Kind of off of that, too, like, would you say that was, like, one of your biggest challenges was to just keep going and keep working even when the results were just super minimal?
1: Yeah, every day for sure. And I I kind of stumbled upon stoicism uh, Mm -hmm. around those times, too. It's, like, an old philosophy, like Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus and a few others uh, from, like, ancient Greek, ancient Roman philosophers, whatnot. Um, and there's some modern writers who have written some sort of like practical, modern day takes on how to approach it. And uh, I didn't realize that's how I was thinking back then, but I've come to it now and I do some reading on it now. And it's, it's kind of the idea that, um, that you have to focus on everything that you can control. And then for the stuff that you can't control, you sort of have to just like let those things go so that you're not stressed out about those things. You're not overcome with worry and fear related to those things. Um, as long as you have done everything within your power to, uh, to you know, do your best with the stuff that you can control, um, that's all you can do. And then letting go of the stuff that you can't control. Um, so that, that whole Stoic philosophy, there's a, a book out there by a guy named Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way that's really good for that. He has another one called The Daily Stoic that's like once a day you, um, you just kind of read a little devotional thing and talks about it. And, and then there's another book called like, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, an F. Uh, and that's, um,
0: I've heard of that one too. Yeah.
1: It's another one that got recommended on my Amazon feed when I was reading the other two. So, uh, those have been pretty cool reads lately and they definitely have helped me through some challenging times.
0: Mm. No, those are good. Those are good books. And I mean, I think those are encouraging words too, Ryan. I I know you're not alone in this and, and I I guess too, like any other, maybe, large challenges or obstacles you've had to overcome the past few years? I know it's kind of a big overarching question, but um, yeah. maybe one or two that you're like, yeah, we've, we've really overcome this and it's been good.
1: There's a very clear one for me. Like,
0: <laughs> What okay. is it?
1: So almost the entirety of 2017, um, it was actually much harder than starting the gym itself. Um, so we already had, I think about 190 members felt like we were just kind of cruising. I was getting to a place where I was starting to delegate responsibilities more and, you know, life was getting a little bit easier and a little more balanced. I was kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I've always been shooting for. This is great. Um, And then we had a a city um, inspector show up randomly in like February and basically said that our building was not zoned correctly for Uh what we were doing, which is like totally news to me. um, Because I called someone down at the city before we started and apparently the person that I spoke to was just speaking off the cuff and wasn't actually looking at the property record and then didn't really know who I was either. So he didn't know that he should maybe tell me like, Hey, I'm just speaking in generalities, not giving you like the end all be all answer to your question. There's probably about five other departments that you should talk to. And that was kind of my naivety too, being a a fitness professional and a business professional, but definitely not a design architecture professional or someone who knows all the ins and outs of like zoning laws and city codes and whatnot. So that was like a huge ordeal where I told them, I was like, okay, well, whatever we need to do, we'll do it. No big deal. And like, oh, yeah, cool. But, you know, you got to go through all of our permit processes. And we had to go through a city council vote and get a city council, city of Columbus to, like, vote oh. for it. Mm-hmm. Local, local, uh, the Italian Village Commission and the Board of Zoning and the Building Zoning Department, all these different people. Um, and uh, so we had to go through architects and lawyers. And, and it took eight months to get all of the permitting and whatnot done. And it was only about five days of construction work that needed to be done on our building. We had to add... <laughs> We had one bathroom, we had to add two bathrooms. Uh, our ADA ramp was like four feet shorter than it needed to be to be the correct like, pitch. So we had to add four feet to that, like, a couple things. So really straightforward, basic stuff that didn't really affect like you know our safety or our egress or our fire stuff or anything. Um, but they were just like super rigid, wouldn't budge on it. And about four months into the back and forth process, they basically were threatening my landlord so much that we had to just move outside. So we we ran a 190 member gym uh, instead of our ten thousand square foot beautiful space that we have out of two shipping containers and a church parking lot one members oh remembers.
0: my goodness
1: so from the months of July through the end of October um, we were braving the elements and uh, six times a day for the different class bo- blocks me or one of my coaches um, was pulling out like thousands of pounds of we put the, we put the racks on wheels we you know had a whole stack of dumbbells and kettlebells and plates and 40 barbells and five skiers and rowers and assault bikes. And we would like pull all that stuff out and we could do pretty much everything except for rings and ropes and like GHDs and whatnot. Um, so we kept the programming pretty awesome and we were pretty fortunate the weather in in Columbus stayed much better than normal during that time too. So we only had to go inside of that church building maybe five times out of like 800 some odd classes that we ran while we were out there. Um, and, of course, we, we had a handful of members that were, like, a little disgruntled with the situation, didn't like it. And we had one coach that I think she and I maybe just had a little bit of an interpersonal conflict that I didn't even realize existed. Um, I heard about it through other members after she ended up leaving our gym after this whole ordeal, too. And that was kind of one of those leadership learnings, too, where it's like, I wish there would have been more open communication around those kinds of things, which could have been my fault, could have been hers, don't know. And I mean, not blaming anybody here or there. It's just a learning opportunity with all this growth and change. Um, And uh, but the the awesome thing was we maintained like over eighty-five percent of our members through that whole four-month experience being outside, Um, and uh, they were the ones that all stuck around. were just like super loyal and supportive, and. Really understanding of the whole situation, and when we moved back inside, it was right in time for our Christmas party, and uh, and the members and the coaches like surprised me. Uh, my coach Brittany surprised me with this huge, like, uh, this little poster thing that everybody had signed, and I was like in tears at our Christmas party, literally in tears because it was this, this eight-month ordeal, hundred and fifty thousand dollars of unplanned expenses that like were not budgeted for or anything, and uh, I mean hundreds and hundreds of hours of uncertainty and stress and worry and, and that not knowing every day, like you talked about not knowing. I mean, literally not knowing every day, like, am I is my financial life over? Like, am I about to go bankrupt here? Like, because uh, I, I, I have financial obligations in the business. Like, I've taken out loans for equipment. I've done all this stuff and it's like, you know, I know, I know some owners never do that. They're all cash based, but I'm a finance guy. I, I took out loans anytime I thought that it was justified by the operations. Well, then the operations went upside down out of nowhere, you know, so it was like um, super, super scary time. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and it was like almost the entire year of 2017. So it probably took a few years off my life from all the stress (laughs) um, and my body from dragging the stuff in and out of the containers six times a day. Um, But I could not be happier with how my coaches, uh, with Brittany and Coleman and Nick with how they responded to everything and how my members responded to everything. And, and that was like kind of the true CrossFit community thing where it was like, it was just amazing. And, and I literally cried like a baby at the Christmas party in front of everybody when I was thanking them for, for, uh, giving me that and for just sticking around and people that they are. Um, so that was like, I don't know. It's just, just so heartwarming, and I'm I'm about to cry again thinking about it.
0: Oh man!
1: <laughs> but yeah, all the just learning all about the city red tape issues, and um, and and all the leadership challenges and whatnot that came with all of that, with having to be the bearer of bad news all the time, and not not being able to answer members' questions about what's going on, when's it going to happen, because the the stuff with the city is just sort of like hurry up and wait. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so man, it was a serious trial by fire, but, uh, I do think now that I can reflect upon it with a little bit of hindsight that, um, it made me more creative, uh, with how to overcome problems. And I learned a ton about what's necessary with our city codes and things as well, which, you know, is not as exciting, but it's nice to know. (laughs) And, um, I, uh, I learned a ton about like leadership and again, rolling with the punches and how to lean on my, my community, my support system too. So,
0: yeah wow i had no idea i'm so sorry that happens, but
1: yeah. yeah it was right around the time of the uh the summit was when we were like we were about to get back into the building and i was like i don't know if i can go like i was like i really don't know if i can go but it ended up being one of the most beneficial things that i ever attended as a professional so i was so glad i did <laughs> but... well
0: that's i'm i'm so glad you came then but yeah i'm like i had no idea this poor man you're probably sitting there going okay, I really need to concentrate during these roundtables, but I'm also thinking about this whole thing that has just happened for a year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But no, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to make it. And I think too, sometimes, like you said, like it was just really revelatory, the members that just stayed. And yeah. I feel like sometimes things like this happen to gyms and owners, you know, get all, you know, taunt and wired up and, because, you know, members are complaining and upset, but I think a lot of times at the end of it, you see who is actually loyal and who actually cares just as much about you in the gym as you do. So I don't know. I think there's something about that to be said, like it sucks that you had to go through it, but I think it's awesome that you see like your members and your coaches are just bought in and they understand and they went through that and they're still there. (laughs) And that's, that's a huge testament
1: yeah, I definitely think the community's stronger, and they really appreciate like cause a lot of them had never done CrossFit before they came to our gym either, so they really only knew our gym, and we're pretty well outfitted and got 10,000 square feet and like every piece of equipment you could ever ask for. So then to go outside, and back inside, now they like really appreciate the space even that much more too. So, yeah, it was it was cool.
0: Yeah, I I mean I think it's neat what you guys did like. I think it's cool that you still were able to maintain and still offer offer people fitness out of shipping containers in a church parking lot. Like.
1: Kelly Sturette uh, with his old uh, shipping container thing back in the day was definitely an inspiration for that. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, yeah, so meeting Juliet was really cool too because like, that was seriously an inspiration for that. And then um, I had a couple of members at a morning class one day when I was kind of telling them about what was about to happen with the whole move outside thing and, and they, were, they sort of gave me the inspiration and idea for that, too. They were like, oh, yeah, we would 100% do that. And I was like, really? I was like, okay, well, <laughs> that I needed where I was like, all right, I mean, I guess if you guys are into it, I'll definitely offer it, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, if I was forced to, I think I would do it. Like, if it was just what it had to be and I still want to get my workout in, like, I'd be willing to work out in a lot of weather
1: <laughs>
0: just yeah. to do it. Um, did you tell Juliet that she inspired you to do that?
1: I can't recall if I used that terminology. She ended up like just happening to sit right next to me that first night at dinner. And, and, uh, and I, I may have, but but I don't know. I was like, you know, nervous too. I was like, oh, wow, I haven't met Juliette Surratt before. You know, she's like a big name in CrossFit. So, um, so I was like definitely probably a little just starstruck shy, whatever, the first time when I met her too. But I, I definitely talked with a lot of the other coaches and owners about the situation throughout the weekend. I was wide open about it, didn't mm-hmm. care to talk about it at that point because um, we were learning so much from each other. And, uh, and I felt like that story definitely had a lot of opportunity to, you know, to share learning experiences and whatnot too. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: No, I'll say, I mean, I hadn't heard that. And I just learned a bunch through it. I don't own a gym. I was like, wow, that's great. <laughs> perseverance. If nothing else, I learned perseverance and just figure out a way to make it happen. So, oh, that, Brian, that, that's crazy. Well, so is it all, it's all settled now? You're good?
1: Yeah. Oh, we're all totally legit with the city. Everything's settled there. Um, and, uh, and we've, uh, made up most of the membership that we, that we did happen to lose during those four months. Um, and, and honestly, I feel like we're kind of rocking and rolling stronger than ever. So it, one of the nice things too is like, I don't want to say that I was like in a place of complacency right before that happened, but I was sort of like looking for like, okay, what's the next big thing that's going to make us better as a community or better as a gym? And then, having lost a couple of members while also increasing expenses related to all the construction costs and whatnot, we did like, I needed to figure out okay, how do I solidify retention with my current members while also growing some new members? And that has made me look even more deeply at, you know, social media marketing and at our quality of our coaching and at fundamentals and all these different things and, uh, and just being even more systematic and even more laser focused on some of these things. So, and sometimes it feels like it was almost like, the right thing at the right time to give me a little kick in the pants, just to make sure that I wasn't becoming comfortable or complacent with the fact that the business was going so well. Um, and at this point, like I never thought that I would be able to say this, but it might have, it might end up being a good thing, even though it was a very expensive lesson. It may end up being a good thing that opens up the door for lots of other opportunities and for, um, for improving the quality of, of this business of, you know, of all the future things that I may do as a small business person, as a leader, as a person. Um, it's made me better with my friends and family too, just because again, I I literally just appreciate all the little things that much more because I, I honestly felt like if the business died, I was going to die. It was like my whole life. And so, man, I just, I appreciate every little thing or I've been trying to a lot more now after having such a traumatic experience over that year.
0: Dang. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I think that's wonderful. I think that that mindset, that change that you've seen. I think that that's a beautiful thing to come out of it. And like you said, it's going to be a great lesson. Unfortunately, I feel like sometimes the best lessons are the most expensive ones, (laughs) but you will never make the same mistake twice. (laughs) So yeah, dang, right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it's all good and settled and kind of talking about community. I know one other thing I wanted to hit on was the open, the open is coming. And actually when this podcast is released, I believe it'll be like a day into the open. That's kind of the plan. And I was just kind of curious to know, with that coming up as an owner, what's your mindset? What are you What are you thinking about? Do you think about it? Like, what does it mean for your community? I'm just kind of curious. Um, yeah, what what's happening in that brain of yours and in, within the box and the four walls?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, in my opinion, uh, the open is the best time of the year to be at a CrossFit gym, whether you're an owner, coach, or athlete at a gym. It's just... Um, It's so fun. Uh, It's such a great bonding experience for our whole community people that might always come in the morning or might always come in the evening. We do like the Friday night lights thing. So they oftentimes will all come at the same time and they'll get to meet each other and socialize and kind of support each other through that process. So, you know, we have people uh, that, you know, have never done a muscle up that will get a muscle up or their first handstand push up or, you know, some of those more exciting skills just because they're so much more focused on skill development during this time of year. Um, they're so much more focused on their conditioning and on their body composition because they want to be better at gymnastics. So they're trying to be lighter and fitter. And, um, so it's just a, it's a really good motivating factor, I think, for people to dial in their fitness and their nutrition even more. Um, and, uh, and it's just so fun each Friday night when we do like the Friday night lights, uh, for me to get to know some of the members even better outside of just like a class setting for the members that have never met each other to get to meet each other and mm-hmm. and we invite everyone's significant others and kids and if they want to bring friends to watch and cheer people on too that's always a really cool thing um and uh last year we had uh, a sponsored our uh 17.5 so they they brought like a food truck and a DJ and oh fun uh, yeah Julia Fruchet came and did her 17.5 workout here with us and and um and Dan Bailey's back in town, so he happened to stop by too to say hi to Julie. So it was just a really fun experience for everybody they're all like starstruck about the CrossFit pros and and uh and Julie and Dan are just the nicest people on the planet. If you've never met them, they're so nice. So um I think that was really cool for people to get to, you know, see them and talk to them and um and uh this year we've got uh, a crew from Donuts and Deadlifts coming because it happens to be uh Week two is like uh, the Arnold Fitness Expo in Columbus, which is a huge thing here. And uh, we have some CrossFit related things that go on down there uh, at the expo, but um, also a lot of the after hours stuff in Columbus where a lot of the local gyms get, you know, different fitness celebrities and people to come in and work out and do different things. So we've got these donuts and deadlifts folks coming in to do a, uh, they're more like a powerlifting crew to do like a max out event. And they're going to do it the night after our Friday night lights. Um, so again, it'll be just kind of a, a fun time for people to, to meet some some different people that are in the fitness community and, and sort of outside of their traditional CrossFit realm as well to see what the powerlifting stuff is all about. Um, and that should be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a great time to be at a CrossFit gym, a great time for a lot of the new folks who are, who are just getting into CrossFit um, and doing it in the open for the first time. Um, that's usually one of the things that I think solidifies them as like long-term uh, members of a CrossFit gym is... They get to do the Open. They develop these really strong relationships. They they get a part of the excitement and the competitive atmosphere. And, uh, you know, when they get done with the Open, all of a sudden you see everybody's got new CrossFit shoes and new wrist straps and this, that, whatever, because now they're finally bought into the concept. They're like, all right, I'm going to be around for a while. I'm doing this thing for a while. So they start to really get invested in it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. I, what do you think it is? Is it just, because uh, people have asked me that before, like at my gym, they're like, Oh, why should I do the open? You know, I try to explain to them. It's just so hard to sometimes explain to them. Like,
1: yeah, I get that question all the time. And I've even asked myself that question a couple of times. Cause it's like, you know what, like why people are like, why do I need to pay $20 to do the open? I, I already pay you money to go to your gym. Um, and they assume that we're getting a kickback from it because I, I promote it as if I am getting like something off of it even though we're not as owners like we don't get a dime we don't get anything out of it other than the marketing benefit that crossfit provides with the crossfit games and whatnot which you know good bad or the other like there is definitely that piece out there um but uh you know it's not like they're incentivizing us with a piece of the pie or anything like that um but i feel like i still promote it each year um very like almost daily um because it's it's just different if you got a little bit of skin in the game, even if it's twenty dollars, you put twenty dollars down. People are that much more likely to show up for the workout, so that much more likely to take the workout seriously, to post a score. Um, it's an opportunity for us as coaches to be even more dialed in with their movement standards too, because it's like, hey, I can't validate that score if your movement is not like really good, you know, really quality movement here. Um, and then maybe for some of those people that like you coach and you coach and you coach and you like sort of get on them in classes all the time about moving a little bit better, whether it's a safety thing or just a CrossFit standard thing. And they maybe don't always want to listen to you, but then you get in an environment like that and you're like, look, I'm not going to give you a score if you don't do this properly. Um, so it tends to be a little bit of a, an awakening for some of them too, where they're like, all right, like this is what I'm supposed to move. Like this is what it's supposed to feel like. And wow, the workout actually is a lot harder if I do the proper range of motion and, and do things to standards. Um, so it's a good teaching opportunity for that too. Um, So I just tell people, you know, it's nice to see year to year, see that history, play the, play the leaderboard games, uh, see how we compare, stack up with teams from other gyms and around the world. And, and, um, and that generally has worked for us to get, I would say at least 50% of the gym to participate in a paid form for the open. Um, and, uh, So that, yeah, I mean, that's why I keep doing it. That's why I keep telling people to do it is just because I think it just makes it a little more fun and makes people take it a little more seriously.
0: Mm. No, that's good. Those are some good explanations. I know sometimes people ask me and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain to them why exactly. I'm like, why do I pay $20? I don't know. Like I just do, like, it's just a thing and I'm, I'm ready to do it every year. But, um, but also I love what you said about like, uh, basically making people move well. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm very <laughs> good at no repping. <laughs> People don't like me judging them, but it's, Same. yeah, but it's like, if that's going to happen, like you said, like, I know it's a chance in our gym as the openness has come up, like we've gotten more and more stringent on tech, uh, technique in terms of like movement standards and be like, okay, like guys, this is what it has to be. And we're going to be calling you out a lot more on it. Like we let you get by for a little bit, but now it's like, it's coming. So. But, yeah, so that's a good point. But, no, those are good words, Ryan. Um, any maybe other advice for affiliate owners when it comes to the open? Things maybe you've learned over the years of, you know, what's worked for you or what you've seen to really, you know, get people involved or anything um, that you think could help other affiliate owners this open season?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you've you got to have a plan. So, like, have, like, maybe a quarterly plan, monthly plan going into it. When are you going to start to communicate with people about the open? How are you going to communicate it, position it? who are kind of like your ambassadors throughout the gym, the people that are going to promote it. Um, So I think I made one post at one point that was like, you know, what was your favorite workout in last year's open and why? And then like you saw all these people, like this huge long thread of like, I love, you know, 17.2 because of this and this because of this going on and on. And then it like, it's an opportunity for all those newer members who maybe haven't done the open before or who just didn't do it for some reason in previous years to see everybody who participated. Like, Oh wow. A lot of people actually do this. And it's maybe someone who I, wouldn't have thought would do it. Maybe like it's someone who doesn't RX stuff every day, and they're like, oh, okay, like they don't RX stuff every day either. So if they do it, you know, maybe I can do it too. Um, so I think that that uh, helps a lot with uh, participation. And then, I mean, speaking to the having a plan piece again, like going into each week, um, you know, we don't know what's coming out. So it's like Thursday night rolls around. Um, usually our coaches are on site. We'll do a little like viewing party and we'll watch and then. Um, usually at least a few of our coaches will actually do the workout right then and there, like right after it's announced, um, uh, both just to get it out of the way so that we can focus on coaching and judging during the Friday night stuff. But also I think it gives people a little bit of inspiration to see the coaches do it. and They're like, OK, like I know how, you know, what their performance normally looks like. So I know how tough that workout was for them. And then we can speak to the workout, what it feels like and how to strategize with it. Um, and then, you know, I'm always up late that Thursday night. Like I, I coach the 5am class, but I'm up till like 3am still like, oh. how, how are the lanes going to work out? How's the heat's going to work out? And I, I put up a shared like Google spreadsheet for people in our gym and they, they go in and I populate like heat times depending on like how long the workouts are. So they're going in and they're, they're entering, you know, when they're going to work out. And, uh, that helps us a lot with the organization when it comes time for things to happen that night with. People kind of coming and going over a few hour period where we might have the the thing going on and, and having a good understanding of when they should be warming up and when they should be working out and when they should be cooling down and um, we try to have multiple coaches ready on site too to to help with uh, warm ups. I think that's one of the things that we maybe didn't have the first year was like like oh you you know you all know how to work out you'll just warm up on your own like <laughs> no that's, that's why people come to the gym they, they need that instruction. So we were just so worried about running the actual heats and event that we kind of like forgot that first you're like yeah they still need that same instruction that we give in our normal classes too with how to approach this unique workout when you're warming up so uh, making sure that they've got a general and specific warm-up so we usually have like a staging zone we're like all right you're on deck and then we've got one coach over there with those folks getting them warmed up and ready to go and then all right you're up and then they transition over to workout and then when they're done like all right here's some cool down stuff some stretching stuff whatever um and having the coaches all there brief to facilitate all those different things make it run smoothly um and um then just keeping it, keeping it hyped, keeping it energetic, you know, like making sure you got the right music ready making sure you got, you know, um, a lot of energy that people are actually paying attention because it, it is a social event. A lot of the times for us too. So people get chatting and whatnot, but once the, the heat start and the events start trying to make sure that, you know, everybody realizes that's going on, that they're cheering each other on, supporting each other. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, it, I feel like if you don't take advantage of the open as a, as a gym owner, um, as one of your best community building opportunities throughout the year and a time to really help people and coach people and give them an awesome, awesome experience, then I think you're just leaving so much low-hanging fruit out there and so much opportunity on the table to create your greatest ambassadors and your greatest marketers and your, you know, your, your people that are going to increase that participation in future years. So um, especially if they're a first-timer in the open, they need to have a good first experience because if they don't have a good first experience, they're probably not going to do it a second time. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think maybe some people have gotten cynical on it, but I think it's still just like an awesome, awesome time and awesome experience.
0: Whoa, that was like a commercial. They should give you kickback from the open (laughs) fee. (laughs) That was awesome. I'm sold. If I had a gym, I'd be sold. No, Ryan, that's really good though. You brought some great points and, um, affiliates. I mean, I encourage you to think about that and think about how you can use the open within your gym and, and growing your community because- it's a powerful time, it's a powerful thing and 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 yes, it may take a little planning, especially if there's like overhead walking lunges and you have to create long lanes, but it it's awesome. It's a good time. So, Ryan, we have talked about so many different things. Um, from from your journey to that twenty seventeen year that we don't want to talk about anymore to um the open. But anything else as as we start to wrap up, anything else that you'd like to get across to affiliate owners, um, any other advice or encouragement, anything that, you know, maybe you're like, Oh, I've been thinking about this and I really want to say it.
1: Um, man, I mean, I think like just that, that idea I talked earlier about how when your back's against the wall, um, you've got to be a doer, you've got to keep going. Um, no matter how awful things might seem, you know, you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep your head up. Um, and, and just know that like, you know, if you do everything in your power that more often than not it will somehow work its way out but you just have to keep trucking and you have to be creative and like you have to you know be candid too don't be afraid to open yourself up about some vulnerabilities during those times like if if i would not have approached that guy who's the the uh pastor that runs uh the church where we did the uh the thing over there, like we would not have had a space to do that, and he, no questions asked, he was like, oh yeah, 100%, Joe over at Veritas is like a godsend. I mean, 100%, no problem. Um, so being able to maybe let your guard down, and uh, you know, again, if, if they're good people, they're gonna be supportive no matter what, so um, lean on people, lean on people, network, um, talk to your members, talk to your coaches, talk to your family and friends, um, if you are in difficult times with your business and, uh, you'll be shocked at how many creative ideas and how much support you can get out of all those different people.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have to be a lonely road.
1: Nope. Yeah.
0: No, that's good, Ryan. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. Just taking the time to come on the podcast, come on the show and honestly, just be honest and just share your story and share your 2017 and all of that. Seriously, thank you so much, Ryan. It was great having you. Um, Yeah, affiliates, I encourage you. Take something that Ryan said and apply it today. Like, take action on it. Don't just listen to this. I mean, do something. That's my encouragement for today. So, yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time and talking with me.
0: Want to learn more about what affiliates are doing with their business? Our 2018 Box Pro Leadership Summit will take place November 14th through 16th. We'll bring together 40 premier affiliates for two days of roundtable discussions, networking, and fun. If you're interested in attending, email me at heather at peakmedia.com. Peak is spelled P-E-A-K-E. Or visit peakmedia.com for additional information.